What's up all, Aaron, but not that Aaron here to tell you about Sifpop Writer's Room. For the past several years, there have been a growing amount of writers for Sifpop.com providing best ever challenges, movie reviews, themes, legacies, connections, and so much more. Sifpop Writer's Room is where that all comes together, giving a voice to those words that you read. And on the show, every week is excellent getting to chat such a wide variety of movies with a wide variety of movie lovers, and I'm really having a lot of fun with the show, and I just think that you would too. So check out Sifpop Writer's Room wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you over there. Just remember to knock first. Welcome back, film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me across the internet, as always, Drew Douglas. Thank you for having me today. Thanks for bringing us together, just like Shang-Chi's father bringing him and his entire family, well, part of his family together. We'll get into that today uh, because we're talking about Marvel's latest movie. And we're going to cover this film from the perspective of what works and what doesn't work. Now, first and foremost, before we dive into it all, before we get into the spoilers, let's first talk about our movie-going experience. I know we teed it off with talking about when we, uh, when you got to go see it. What was your movie-going experience like for this, by the way, Drew? Now, you've got me curious because you wanted to, you know, bring this up. So, I'm like, what is, what happened to you? <laughs> I had, a, my, I, one, we went Saturday morning, first showing, not very busy. There was maybe seven people there with us. Wow. Good crowd, though. That's the main reason why I wanted to ask you is because to find out how your audience reacted to this and also to find out just how busy it was because nothing crazy happened in my movie. There, It was a uh, middle of the day. It was actually on Labor Day itself on Monday. And I uh, it took me a while to end up seeing this movie, but the theater was like, more than half full and it's hands down the busiest I've ever seen the theater. Um, there were a lot of people in there going to see just specifically this movie and, um, and the auditorium itself. I would say it was so interesting because people were, it felt like it was the first time going to see a movie during, you know, the pandemic since the start of it, where it actually felt like there wasn't a pandemic going on because, and people were having a good time. They were, you know, cheering and laughing. And there was like one person who was really getting into it. And in the like very beginning, I was a little nervous because they were commentating a few things. And I'm like, oh boy, this this could get old real fast. But they stopped. They did that like twice. And it was so weird. It's so different. And I felt like this was. Uh, the first movie going to the theater to to see where it was not like that for any other experience. Uh, but it was good, for all for good reasons. No one's like making an MRE next to me or anything like that, uh, like what's happened in the past. <laughs> so, what movie was that? That was Justice League. I thought I was oh going goodness. to. I literally thought someone was going to uh, create like take a bomb out of a bag and and ignite it in the uh, show screening of Justice League because I'm sitting there 
And he reaches in a bag, starts shaking something, <laughs> and opens, like, you know, that little plastic film. He starts to peel that back. I'm like, what? All right. Now I had to stop watching this movie and look over. And then I it's see- more entertaining than the movie. I can guarantee you yeah, that. Yeah. It was, and yeah. And that was obviously the theatrical release of Justice League when that came out. And uh, the theater was packed, obviously, when, when that movie came out. It was no empty seat in the theater uh, for that, but yeah, that was uh, that was kind of a scary experience. Uh, but nothing like that happened for me uh, in this movie. But it was just good. It was good, it spaced out. But I would say that there was um, the theater was more than a half sold. So that was uh, overall like a really good experience. And I kind of wonder. We were talking about this before we started recording. How this will settle in to the overall MCU and our rankings of other MCU movies because the that experience I think helped elevate it uh, to a degree but I won't I won't say uh, anything else about what I think about this movie uh, instead we'll just dive right into Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings Drew what can you tell us about this movie This is the 25th believe it or not movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is directed by Dustin Daniel Cretton, known for movies like I Am Not a Hipster, Short Term 12, Just Mercy and the Glass Castle. We need to say, too, hit that alert. Spoiler alert. Because we got some spoilers in this whole thing. Big spoilers. Massive spoilers. The cast includes Simu Liu, Aquafina, Tony Lung. The plot. It introduces us to Shang-Chi after he's pulled into his estranged father's organization dubbed the Ten Rings, something we first saw way back in 2008 with movie numero one, Iron Man. It's been really crazy to think that we've come this far. Uh, and it's, it's hard to believe that this film is now sitting at one quarter to a hundred and movies and it i honestly looking at this it seems like we're going to reach that 100 mark for these mcu movies in the next yeah. 10 years i hope so i should also say rotten tomatoes we like to look at the numbers 92 percent. it currently sits at number seven on the entire mcu rankings out of curiosity do you know what number one is i would say it's got to be avengers endgame right it is not it's black panther Oh, Endgame is 94. And then coming up dead last, 66%. What do you think it is? Got to be an incredible Hulk. Uh, close. That's number 24 with 67. It's uh, actually Thor the Dark World. Oh, yeah. I always forget that movie gets trashed. Not quite sure I buy into that being dead last. I mean, I kind of get it and I, I kind of don't. And then obviously box office... This was a huge success this past weekend. Exceeded expectations here in the U.S. Big time. It's made $101 million so far here in the U.S., 56 worldwide. No, sorry, 56 international. That means $157 million worldwide. I'll be interested to see how this does in week two because Black Widow sank like a stone. This is a little under Black Widow when that came out a couple months ago. That movie was available to rent for $30 on Disney+. Plus. This is not. In recent weeks, Free Guy and Candyman have both done, I would say, pretty well in their second week. And I would imagine this will, too. 
So uh, yeah, I think people are eating it up, which kind of leads into what works, what doesn't. Is it possible this is the MCU's best origin story? According to my calculations, there are 11 movies that you could argue are origin stories. Mm-hmm. That will go through Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Thor, Captain America, The Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Homecoming, Black Panther, and Captain Marvel. So of those 11, and working in Shang-Chi, where, uh, I guess, is, is it the best of, of those, of that, la- of that list? No, I'm going to say it's not the best origin story. It is up there, though. I think it has a lot of elements make this a really, really strong addition to the MCU. And then I, I think it also does a lot of things that a typical MCU movie does that kind of weighs it down. It's uh, really interesting to see that, especially this far into the MCU, talking about what, uh, what works and what does kind of feel like it weighs it down, which is following more along the formula of that MCU uh, foundation that we've come to know out of these movies. But I agree wholeheartedly with what you had to say about Shang-Chi. I really like this movie. I think that it is a very good origin story, but it's not the best origin story. I don't think so. Um, While, like before recording, I've been going through a little bit of a conundrum because Ever since talking about this and thinking about the origin stories in the MCU, this is high up there, but I did some reshuffling and it made me want to go back. And as we discussed before recording, it makes me want to go back and rewatch the MCU films starting in the chronological order of the timeline that's introduced in the MCU and then do the rewatch of the films that way because I'm just thinking back to a few of these and remembering like when I first saw Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk and a few others, just how I felt in the time then versus now. Because on my list, I got to say that some of the earlier films, maybe I actually really like, but since I've been displaced from those feelings for so long and so many other movies have been released since those early ones, that I may be forgetting just how good some of them are. So the best origin story, I think, uh, of this list, I got to go with Black Panther. I just really like that. Yeah. Um, That's one of those that I feel like with Shang-Chi is really great up until its third act, and then it's just like this fight fest. But I will say with both movies, the underlying plot with Killmonger and Black Panther and Black Panther and then Wenwu and Shang-Chi, father-son, that whole element makes the third act so much better. Oh, yeah. Because there is like this weight to it, this importance to it. I loved, loved the Wenwu Shang-Chi stuff in this. Yeah, I did too. Like Shang, I think Wenwu kind of, I'm not going to say he's the best villain. We'll get into this, but that character freaking rules in this. Yeah. He, uh, I think that the character. And um, Tony's just portrayal of him as well is just is so phenomenal. It just it's such a great job, and it was very emotional. And as you said, um, Whitey, just the 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 emotional attachment to this made this movie. I think, and I think looking at that, comparing the traditional villain versus our 
number one, uh, in this case, Shang-Chi. And you could go back all the way to Iron Man, where we've got the face-off against Iron Man and Jeff Bridges' character. And looking at how that formula just has stayed the same in this. But uh, that's where, like, I wonder if my... After seeing this play out so many times for so many years over so many movies, if we've evolved and what we think about some of those early movies and if that affects our ranking. So there's kind of this whole psychological thing I'm thinking of in terms of, you know, now that we've come so far, um, how that affects the way that we view these movies. But let's dive into what works and what doesn't work. First and foremost, the cast. Can you pick an MVP out of this movie? Well, there's probably like a million. Like three <laughs> people come to mind because... I'm not familiar with Simu Liu. He's an awesome in, uh, addition to the MCU. He's going to be a fantastic Avengers. It's always risky to introduce a character that a lot, not a lot of people know. This is a character I cannot wait to see more of. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Aquafina is really good in this. And then obviously Tony Lung as uh, Wen Wu is off the charts good. Yeah. Surprise here. Surprise MVP from me. I walked away going, wow, Aquafina stole the show for me. <laughs> I have to, I love Aquafina in this too. I found it interesting that she was cast very early on. Uh, and I think before Simu Liu and to just see how their chemistry would be. And if this was going to be uh, a character who they could lean heavily on whenever they needed to. Um I also think there's something really special about their relationship, those two characters in this movie, because it shows a very grounded look at things, especially whenever you're in that age that they are, that younger group, a uh, little older than Spider-Man, but not quite as established in their lives. Definitely not as established as a few, mm -hmm. such as Dr. Stephen Strange or, or Tony Stark. And it's good to see that. Uh, that, to That's me, great. I think, especially the millennials, you're able to relate to that. I don't know if I necessarily like her becoming an action hero by the end of this movie. Sure. Like she basically kind of saves the day by the end of this <laughs> with her <laughs> yeah. archery, which I'm like, okay, that's kind of dumb. Um, <laughs> but I felt like I was like, oh, this character is, is on the right path now. And now she's joining Shang-Chi on adventures. It's going to be awesome. So uh, yeah, I think that's great to have characters like that. Uh, that, this chemistry, and I text you about this, but it definitely seems like Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's how this feels uh, between these two characters, but in a different way. But I've got to go Tony along. He's just so freaking good as Wu, And he just, once again, these characters all seem very, even though like I can't relate to a guy being 5,000 years old, but I can like understand a lot of the pursuits he's going after in terms of where, you know, he's like hanging it up and he's wanting to try to become a better person. And then he's motivated in the ways that he is in a vengeful way because of the murder of his wife. All those things seem like they make sense and a logical grounded meaning and if you had the power, these weapons that basically rip through just material things and people like they're melted butter, uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things that's like, uh, you know, it, it makes him very uh, menacing, but it also makes him 
very relatable at times um, when he's just being himself, being a man and trying to be a husband and a father. I think there's a lot to love about Tony in this and especially his performance. He's just top notch. He's he's fantastic. I think he is one of the best villains we have seen in the MCU and close to like overtaking the Mad Titan himself. But uh, that's all I've got to say because that segues directly into the villain. What you just answered it. Yeah, for it myself, works. I did. Yeah, <laughs> I think w- one interesting thing that good movies do is the villains. Who's ever playing your villain? They don't see that they're playing the villain, right? Because Tony Lung said, like he never approached that he was playing when was a villain. Mm-hmm. He wanted to look at why he was doing what he did, and he's basically playing a man who just wants to be loved. The ultimate goal is. You want to see somebody on screen that's fully realized and you might not agree with what they're doing, but you understand why. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that too is where it was so emotional. It made me feel so sorry for him. And there, there were multiple lines in this movie. It was so well written that there were so many, so many just like um, whether they were uh, one liners or like just this, monologue but whenever he said that he had reason to grow old that got to me because i'm like man how often can we say that we've met something or or met a person or we found a reason worth growing old over and we were totally okay with that but yeah it was just like he played it so great and it's i hate to see him go but then again it Mm -hmm. also adds weight to him eventually dying in the end of this movie. I don't think it's the last we'll see of Wenwu. I think that we will be seeing Tony again in this role um, to some capacity, and I'd be okay with that. I know that, especially right now in the the whole time variation, all the the craziness going on with that, um, I I would be uh, willing to forgive if they were to do something like that and chalk it up to, well, things are, things are complicated to say the least. But um, I do think though, that if this is the last time we see him in such a large capacity, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Even though I love him, I think this is one of those places that it's, it just makes this movie so much more meaningful and impactful. Now, one thing in this movie, there are a lot of fight scenes what works and what doesn't work with introducing Kung Fu or martial arts into the MCU and do the stunts and fight choreography work in this film. I mean, it's, it's a good change of pace. Uh, I think I've read a number of people say that this is the best fight stuff that they have seen in the MCU so far. My gut says no, but I don't have a reason or an answer as to what the right <laughs> answer is. My issue is not necessarily with the the fight choreography, which I think is really impressive. Uh, it, it's it's the CG effect. I'm watching yeah. this going, wow, these fight scenes are awesome. And then there's always something they have to add to it. And it just, it doesn't look right. And yeah. then I felt that way with Black Panther, like by the end of it where it's CG overload and it doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, like you said, uh, a refreshing new introduction to something in the MCU. I, I really like it. It's, it's uh, I may, I, I could say that it may be one of my favorite 
things that have been added to the MCU. I will also say that leading up to this movie, I didn't know what to expect because I kept hearing early on that this movie is supposed to be kind of like Mortal Kombat, almost like a an arena fight. And I thought, man, that's going to be interesting to see how they'll work in those elements of Marvel. But I think that just Marvel stick though, that no matter what fight scene you get, you will always have a an epic dose of CGI because that's how Marvel does it. And I mean, I'm okay with that, but there's a, there's a degree with like what you're saying. It would be nice to see a change in that regard where they just, they take out a little more CGI and just make it a little more real. Moving on to some other powerful things. MCU cameos. We get several in this. First up, we've got Abomination, Wong, Trevor Slattery, Captain Marvel, and Bruce Banner. We've got several to talk about which of those work and which don't. Abomination doesn't do anything. It is cool to see him. We haven't seen him since the second film in the MCU, Mm -hmm. The Incredible Hulk. He's definitely got a visual upgrade. He looks Mm -hmm. a little bit more menacing. Uh, I was okay with that. He fights Wong, who pops up in this more than I would have expected. Yeah. I always like to see Wong. Wong is cool. Trevor Slattery, though. I think they do a good job in this movie where we meet Wen Wu. We've seen Iron Man 3. We know that this fake version of the Mandarin has already been established. And at one point, Wen Wu's telling the story about how he's been a lot of different names throughout time. And he mentions the Mandarin. He mentions Trevor Slattery basically as this puppet that that was used to impersonate him. That's all you need. Later in the movie, we're introduced to Trevor Slattery and the dude hangs out for the back half of this movie. It's an extended cameo. Why? What? Why are you bringing this person back? (laughs) Yeah, I I was going to ask, like, what did you think about more or less not only bringing him back, but giving him a redemption arc? I don't mind it. I don't mind that. It just seemed like too much. Yeah. I, I guess my thing is, I kind of admire Kingsley, Ben Kingsley, Sir Ben Kingsley, I apologize. <laughs> yeah. He's super dedicated to this role. Yeah. And there's something about that I admire. I just don't know who you're bringing Trevor, Slat- Trevor Slattery back for. <laughs> Other than, yeah, there is kind of a redemption arc and he has all these gags. He's a joke machine. (laughs) I I guess that's why you want comedy, but then you have Aquafina, and she's spouting jokes every four seconds. It was too long for me. Like by the end of it, I was like, why he's in the battle at the end of this movie, get Mm -hmm. him out of here. And that, and that's where I thought he would end up disappearing because I thought, all right, he served his purpose to get them there to the village of, uh, Shang-Chi's mother. And, that it was just so fascinating because I thought, all right, what are they going to do with this character? I was literally thinking that as soon as they arrived, because Trevor's done, like he served his purpose. But with that, I like the idea of him being uh, imprisoned by the character, the actual man who he was impersonating. And therefore, <laughs> he was just, imprisoned, and and they were going to kill him, and then they decided to basically use him as a court jester. Yeah, and I, it was funny that uh, that's what I think it was Aquafina who mentioned that that he's a jester, and I thought, oh, that's fascinating. That I mean, that's all he wants to do. So that character 
himself is like stuck in this loop of being a an actor for life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you could you're say we- you're weirdly turning me on to this whole idea, like why he's in there, and then it's actually not that bad of an idea. Yeah, I mean, for that, it's just fascinating to me. I thought, okay, this worked. Weirdly, this worked for me, and I was surprised because I thought they could easily just throw this character away and they could eat crow and say, all right, you know what? We made a mistake uh, or Shane Black made a mistake writing <laughs> Mandarin that way in Iron Man 3 for that film. But, you know, at the same time, I think that, like you said, being Kings, Sir Bing Kingsley is just so dedicated. He puts everything he's got into this. And there's one monologue he's got in this movie and it really is another thing that connected to me and it was what he talked about for the planet of the apes in terms of that movie i remember seeing (laughs) that as a kid and i'm like man this is like movie magic this is so great and i got to see that before the big like reveal of the very end you know knowing what the actual ending of the movie was and I got to experience that as a kid. Now, granted, that came out long before I was, before we were born. But hearing Trevor like ramble on about them, like, oh yeah, yeah, and then he goes into the jokes of, yeah, the 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 apes were real. Couldn't believe they were riding the horses. I'm like, okay, haha. Like working in Trevor later on, I think he was okay. Like he never really spent. They, we not we did not spend a lot of time with him and the training sequences and the battle sequences. And he was there, like you said, to serve as like a joke, uh, a break to take our minds off of the battle and all that stuff. Um, I mean, that was okay. But him, whenever we're introduced to him being there in a cell to him getting them to that point, I'm like, I'm okay with that. That's actually, that that makes sense, I think. And in a, a really wacky way, they brought this character back and I did not think they would do that, nor would they give him a story like they did with this. And I have to say, here's here's a, a funny side note. I ruined this. I spoiled this for two people that he was back. And I felt so freaking bad because I had two others uh, ask me about uh, this. Well, one one asked me about seeing the movie and another talk about seeing the movie. And I'm like, yeah, I just can't believe about Trevor and what they did with redeeming him. And then they're immediately after I found out they had not seen the movie. I'm like, oh, I just like, I biffed it big time. I can't imagine well, now. He, he's in the marketing at this point, believe it or not. Yeah, and that's, that's a crazy thing that Kingsley is going around walking on the red carpet and like you said part of the marketing which it's like all right if he's doing that then he's going to be in the movie but um i will say hot take i kept hearing about everyone's love for abomination and i thought okay that's cool i would have been really po'd had i gone into this movie thinking we got more than what we did in this because he's he's kind of in this for what 30 seconds or something he's not in it long Um, i mean if you're seeing shang chi for abomination, you're an idiot. You know? <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, for that, it was, that was a mm, so-so, like you said, it kind of felt like a non-factor. Uh, and Wong, it was good seeing him in this. And uh, the, uh, do you get the feeling, here's here's a question that I had with the Captain Marvel, Bruce Banner uh, cameos at the very end. Do you get the feeling they don't know what to do with Captain Marvel? 
I don't know if I like how she plays his character because yeah, let's. I mean, let's just get into the post-credit scenes. I I do think they both work, but seeing Captain Marvel on there, I'm just like, I don't care about this character. I don't think I, it's either her, the way she is. Something about it is a turnoff. Mm. I do think the so we have two credit scenes. We have Wong speaking with Bruce Banner and Carol Danvers uh, about the Ten Rings because they are emitting a mysterious signal. <laughs> I think that's really cool. That is. Wong tells Shang-Chi and Katie, go get your rest, all right? And it's it, we, we get a callback to earlier in the film when they decide, we're not going to go home. We're going to go out and party. I love that. I think that's a great joke. <laughs> yeah. What I don't like is why is Wong... <laughs> joining in when he he knows like he's got responsibilities to keep everything safe and he's going out drinking with them i just think that ruins <laughs> the gag like i hated i hated that um i thought that was stupid i like seeing bruce banner back if you notice he's bruce again yeah and i was we were we were under the impression that you know he's going to be professor Hulk from this point. I'm assuming She-Hulk is going to answer why he's Bruce again. But his arm is still on that sling and that uh, where it, you can see that he's still injured from snapping uh, the uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. And I don't think he's ever going to get that back, which is interesting to think what does, where does he go from this point forward? Mm-hmm. And Obviously we have Carol there. I'm just like, I, you're only there because we're, we, we just have to know that you're still around because <laughs> you just don't serve a purpose yet. And that's the thing. I just, while in this, and I, I didn't think anything about it during the the uh, mid-credit scene because that, that's the mid-credit scene. And I'm like, that's interesting because I, I mean, I like seeing her and Bruce interact, but at the same time, I, there's something about it and I kind of, quite put my finger on it. And I wanted to wait to talk to you about this until we record it because I just, after thinking about it, the only logical thing that came up to me is, is it that Marvel doesn't know what to do with Captain Marvel? Similar to like how it feels they don't know what to do with Hulk. Like they just kind of throw him around. I I think Hulk's found a good reason to be around. I think they used him wise. Yeah. Especially I don't know, maybe it's on. just because I liked Captain Marvel. It is definitely low tier MCU for me for a number of reasons. And part of it is just the way that Larson plays that character. I'm mm. just, it's not someone that I necessarily want to see more of. So mm. in that regard, it was a little disappointing to get to the end credit scene. And she is one of the two big cameos. I was like, oh man, but who else It's like, who else are they going to use? I, I kept wondering where's Stephen Strange at? Like, what he's off doing something apparently, or they couldn't afford him to be <laughs> to make a cameo because we got Wong quite a bit, and then even at the end of this movie, when we're setting up something huge with these ten rings, he's nowhere to be found, and they're mm-hmm. in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Yeah, and that I honestly thought with how much we saw of Wong, I was expecting to see Stephen Strange, even for like a second, but that was. It was interesting to see that. And that's all. I was just curious what you had to say about Captain Marvel because I just um, I just don't know. And I'm curious when we get uh, the Marvels, what we'll see of her in that, like what kind of role she'll play, not only in that, but also going forward. But let's now segue right into 
where Shang-Chi fits into your MCU rankings. Is it high, mid, or low tier? I, I don't think this can crack my my top 10. I'm going to just say for just like a frame of reference, my top three MCU films. Numero one, as I said, Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm. Number two, movie a lot of people hate, Iron Man 3. It's a masterpiece, guys. Deal with it. And we got Mandarin and then, uh, in number that. Number three, I have... <laughs> we got Mandarin. We got quote-unquote Mandarin. And then uh, the, the, the almighty Trevor Slattery. Uh, number three... <laughs> I have Captain America Civil War. I still love that one. Mm-hmm. So I might put Shang-Chi outside my top 10, maybe at number 11, where Thor Ragnarok currently sits. I got to say that's so tough because to say where Shang-Chi fits, I, I would I would agree with what you say uh, right now. I would go mid, upper mid, upper mid tier. I, I know that I really like this movie, but that's where... After trying to rank these films, it's just more of a, I think, um, a calling that I need to go back and rewatch all of these. Uh, because right now I've got at number one, Avengers Infinity War, followed by number two, Avengers Endgame. And then I've got Black Panther as my third favorite. So it's just... Looking at this, all of these three films are very recent. And I ended up putting Infinity War and Endgame up there so high because we had such a buildup. And the moment, just the idea, the experience going into these movies were met. Those expectations were met and they exceeded the expectations I had. And all of this buildup, it just, it was so awesome. This is, as you know, I, I hate to, is, make it sound like I'm part of the Marvel marketing campaign, but this is why we go to the movies, it feels. And so with that's why I've got those two movies up there so high. Now, that could change uh, on a rewatch. And Black Panther, I think it's just a great origin story, but I feel like there was so much that happened in that movie that almost changed or could change the trajectory of how these movies are made. And not only that, with superhero films, I think that it could have a major impact on the film community in general. And I think that there's a lot of significance historically for film and then also um, in, in general, but also for superheroes. So uh, there's there's just a lot of symbolism, I think, that Black Panther in that film represents that I love to see and hopefully I will see more of. But looking at these movies, there are some that I, I it was so tough because I remember loving Iron Man, and I I do like that the original film. It's like what kicked it all off. But at the same time, looking at how formulaic it seems and standards now, it seems I kind of wonder if it will drop completely off of my radar for that. And I mean, you can't say that it's formulaic when it's literally the first film. Like that's not fair. True. Yeah. Like that, mean, that that sent the that set the template. So if, if anything, we're should be complaining about Shang-Chi, not Iron Man. True. That's true. I mean, even Black Panther, uh, or Black Panther, uh, Black Widow that came out, I think that there's just something about that story, even though I know we ended up talking about that being uh, like high slash mid-tier, you know, as we were talking earlier. We'll have to give that time to see where that uh, settles because... Right now, coming off of the high of that in the same way as Shang-Chi, 
over time that may, and I know it will change, but the recency effect as we've talked about before, Shang-Chi is, is up there. Uh, it's just not in the top three. I know that it's probably in the top 10 for me, uh, but I just now more than ever want to go back and do that rewatch. Now talking about Black Widow, I know we were mentioning that earlier. Has your opinion of Black Widow caused that movie to fall overall in your rankings and just your overall feelings about that movie? I would have had mid to high for Black Widow after seeing it. I would say mid to low at this point. Okay. Uh, and again, that was a movie after we saw it, we praised it like crazy. <laughs> it doesn't mean that I like don't like it anymore. It's just in the grand scheme of things, not going to be super high for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's one of those things that I wonder how, because I, I've still really like Black Widow, but after seeing Shang-Chi, I'm like, man, this just seems like a traditional Marvel movie. And not that Black Widow didn't. It just, it felt, I don't want to say, and this is going to sound really negative, but a throwaway. It didn't feel like a throwaway movie. It just felt like, okay, the best example is that movie was what, for all of you constant readers out there, uh, for Stephen King fans in the Dark Tower series, it was the uh, went through the keyhole. It was a bridge between movies. And that's uh, with that story that Stephen King had went through the keyhole. It was a bridge between books. Black Widow felt like a bridge between movies and phases, to be honest. For whatever reason, I'm really wanting to rewatch Ant-Man and the Wasp and Doctor Strange again to see if they climb a little bit. Because mm. I'm not, I was not super into Doctor Strange for a couple of reasons. Mm. And then I just thought Ant-Man and the Wasp was just okay. Yeah, I I mean, I remember liking those movies, but uh, with Iron Man 2, that's so rough. It's hard for me to go back and rewatch that movie. Uh, but it's got some I, good stuff. But it does. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's my, I would say, least favorite. I think, honestly, The Incredible Hulk is a little underrated. Yeah, I think, especially now, there are some, some pretty good takeaways in that movie. But do you have anything else to say about Shang-Chi or the rest of the MCU right now? I don't. I will say, again, Phase 4, we have Eternals coming out in November. Mm -hmm. December, we have Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, 2022, we have four different Marvel projects. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, we have Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and then the Marvels. The busy 2022, assuming that things stay on track. Yeah. Um, so we got some good things coming out. I am not super interested in the Marvels. I got to be honest with you, other than Nia DaCosta directing it. Yeah. Black Panther is interesting because what do you do next now that mm -hmm. Chadwick is gone? And then Doctor Strange 2, uh, you know, not being a huge fan of the first one and that character in the MCU. I can't say I'm dying for that one. Other than Sam Raimi directing it. Mm -hmm. that's That's interesting to me. So... And even like Eternals, I'm not dying to see Eternals. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in this point now kind of where my excitement for some of these movies is not like it was. Where every single thing that came out, you know, I'm, I'm about ready to cream my shorts. Oh. We're not there. Anymore. We got movies coming up that I just, I, I, I will obviously see. I'll probably like, but I'm not counting down for the Marvels in November of 2020. <laughs> Throw that out there. 
Yeah, until we start seeing what it looks like and getting an idea of that, it just mm, not not really piquing my interest right now. I will say Doctor Strange and the Multiverse Madness, that is number one. I'm very excited, especially with this whole idea of it being a horror film for the MC. Really curious to see what they're going to do with that. So that's up there. And then the Eternals, I'm, I'm curious about it. I'm, I'm very curious. I can't say that I'm like hyped, but I'm very intrigued by what we've seen so far. And that, la- that last trailer was good. I really, I really like that. That gave a little more insight and I think is building to that anticipation. And of course, Spider-Man is looking really good. I am with the, the idea of, ripping open the uh, multiverse through that. I am very curious the direction that we go from here. And I I will say that my anticipation and my excitement is kind of scaled back a little bit. It's, it's still there, but it's not what it used to be. And I'm wondering if that's what will just this new phase or the next couple of phases, if that's how I'll feel with the MCU. But nonetheless, I'm going to be here for it. And uh, I think we're game. So no matter what, uh, bring it on. Speaking of games, we got to give you a big tease for the next episode of Quality Check Podcast. And that is where we are bringing back a fan favorite and if it's not a fan favorite we're going to call it a fan favorite because it's the return of our fantasy movie draft it's been a while since we've done this drew it's uh, well we haven't been able to but we're going (laughs) to attempt to do it i would imagine for october november releases maybe december yeah you know it's hard i don't i guess my thing is if we do this i don't want to go pick things in december and then things fall through well i'm excited because fantasy movie draft we had to literally halt and we just ended up axing the very last one that we did because thanks to our pal COVID. That obviously sunk every ship and that stunk. So, uh, but we're going to bring the, our favorite game back and um, we're going to do that for you on the next episode. But for this episode of Quality Check Podcast, we're going to bring it to an end. And until next time, keep watching. Keep watching.